Hello, and welcome to this special series of episodes called 29 Days of Magic. During Black History Month, the month of February, I'll be interviewing a Black woman a day who's from business and entrepreneurship. You name it, I'm going to have a chat with her. The idea for this is to show off the amazingness of Black women throughout various industries. I hope you take a listen, like, share, review, and be inspired by these incredible stories. Take a listen. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Munoz, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, The Flash. Each episode, I bring on a different business leader who's doing game-changing work. And then this episode is no different. I'm so excited to have Lauren Washington, who's the founder and CEO of Funder, an incredible new platform, which is going to hopefully change the way fund, um, startups get funded. It's going to be a great conversation. Take a listen. Hey, Lauren. Hi, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited to finally get you on the show. I thought I, yes. I see you like three times a year. That's about it. And now <laughs> it's been more, only once because COVID. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, so great to have you on the show. And first question is always the same and always fascinated by the answers. So, Lauren, what was your first job? My first job, I had actually three jobs all at once when I was around 11 years old. Uh, I've always had side hustles. So my first job was running a tomato stand. So my neighbor grew these big, beautiful tomatoes and she let me pick them. This was on Staten Island, Staten Island, New York. Wait, you're from Staten Island? I am. Yeah. Born and raised. Many generations over Staten Islanders. There are Black people Staten Island? Yes. Yes. We're there. (laughs) There's a corner of you. It's a small amount. It's mostly my family. Uh, but yeah, they, so my neighbor had these amazing tomatoes. Uh, she let me pick them. And then I set up a tomato stand and sold them to my other neighbors. Um, I also had a babysitting business. And then I worked at my other neighbor's candy store. And of course, for an 11 year old, that was amazing. So we literally had these three side hustles going on all at once. So you were balling at age 12, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trying to. <laughs> oh my gosh, awesome. And so you were, so, so again, from your first job, always hustling, which again, follows you throughout your career to get you where are right at this crazy moment. So tell us about the journey from, you know, having those three jobs at like 12 to now. Yeah, so my career, I would say started after I graduated college. I went to UNC Chapel Hill for college, um, got a degree in graphic design actually, and then took the next logical step and became a teacher. <laughs> Just not logical at all. Of course, I as did, one does. As one does. I did Teach for America uh, right out of um, undergrad. And I did that because I really just wanted to find a way to give back um, in a way that wasn't necessarily dedicating my whole career to nonprofit, but that I could be really impactful right out of school. And so I went directly to um, uh, East New York, Brooklyn. I taught special education, fourth, fifth, and sixth grade there. And uh, after I did about a year, I realized that was not for me and I shouldn't stay in the <laughs> classroom. Like, nope. <laughs> exactly. Like, nope, I, nope, nope. And I have such a respect for teachers. What they do is so difficult. And I, I just felt like if my heart wasn't 100% in it, then I shouldn't be in that classroom. You know, I think you're just, you're molding these minds in such a, an important way. Um, and so I ended up leaving and went uh, into marketing 
blogging. I worked at InStyle Magazine, TV Guide, and I did um, very early social media marketing there when people were still trying to figure out what it was and what the business value was. I mean, I was creating MySpace pages for InStyle Magazine. Like that's how long ago it was. <laughs> we did our first Twitter page for TV Guide when it came out. It was it was huge news at the time. Um, wow. I didn't realize even then how important it would be. Um, I remember doing a mobile app for InStyle and this was back in 2007 uh, and it was on, on a flip phone and we had one of the first mobile apps for, uh, for media. And I think that really showed me the opportunities that I could go into and uh, just open up my eyes into this whole world of tech. And so I ended up going back to business school. I went to Northwestern University, um, Kellogg School of Management got my degree there, came out, went into the advertising side. So I did um, a rotational program at Omnicom Group and then landed at Attention. And we did social media data analytics and uh, strategy. And then from there, I started my first company, which was called Keep Up. And we did, we automated social media listening. So taking all the stuff that I had learned in the agency side and saying, you know, I bet there's a way we can automate this. I bet we can add an algorithm to it so that we don't need 10 people and hundreds of hours to go through all of this data. And so that's what we did. So that kicked off my entrepreneurial journey. And that was in 2014. Uh, we ended up winning the 43 North competition up in Buffalo won $250,000 there a couple months after we had launched our, our app. And then that sort of started everything. So a couple of uh, months into that, I ended up meeting Asosa Igadero and Regina Gwynn, who then became my partners on Black Women Talk Tech. They had their own businesses that they were running. We sort of started talking to each other and saying that this is very hard. <laughs> How can we support each other? How can we get our, ourselves and, and other people we know to that next level? And that sort of kicked off Black Women Talk Tech, which was really just meant to be a few people in a room talking and just sort of exploded into what is now the largest conference for Black women tech founders and has expanded into um, the membership organization and Black Men Talk Tech. And then from that experience and then my experience from Keep Up, I started Funder. And most of that came from the barriers that I faced in terms of fundraising and then hearing that story over and over again from these other Black women I talked to and realizing that we really need uh, a, a change to the system. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to bring with Funder. Uh, I love how you're like glossing over the fact of like how massive an impact Black Women Talk Tech is and how you three like changed the face of our industry. But okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> thank you. And you okay. along with us as our as yes. our board member and truly our host for that first uh, conference that we had and has stuck with us and helped grow and build this over time. So we couldn't have done it without you either. Oh, yes, I know, of course. <laughs> um, yes, full disclosure, I am on the board of Black Women Talk Tech. And yes, I did actually host the very first event. And yes, it is my absolute favorite organization. And I will pick them up any day of the week. Because what you all are, are able to do with Black Women Talk Tech is create space, dignity, value, and this awesomeness for Black women who are founders. Uh, and so when people say they can't find them, you know, 
this one from being 30 women in a conference room in Google to the next year being 500 people to the next year being a thousand people. And the last few mm-hmm. couple of years prior to COVID, 2000 and more folks over the course of multiple days. So, you know, mm-hmm. and in the midst of this entire shakeup of what this industry is supposed to look like, um, you all prove the point that it's not just about, you can't find the missus that you're not looking because we're all right. right there. Exactly. Um, they don't have an excuse anymore. <laughs> none whatsoever. So Funder, I'm super excited to know more about because when you were telling me about, I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> Are you democratizing funding? Wait a second. <laughs> so, uh, so do tell us more. That's exactly what we're doing. We're looking to democratize funding. And like I mentioned, this came from my own experience. So uh, after we had won the 43 North competition, I won $250,000 through that. And that should have been a signal to other investors that this was a company to look at and look at seriously. And that was potentially going somewhere. And I struggled raising money. I mean, we tried to raise for two years and kept hitting barrier after barrier. And after I started Black Women Talk Tech, I realized that it wasn't me necessarily, and it wasn't my business, that this was clearly a systemic issue. And the only way that we were going to change that is through um, creating a, a new system. And so that's what we're doing with Funder. We're essentially automating the entire process. We're using an algorithm to go through and evaluate all the companies on 90 different pieces of data. We're looking at all the same things you would normally look for in early stage investing, like team and market, competition, background, but we're quantifying it and putting it into a score. And so from that point of view, you're removing bias from the whole process, not only racial and gender and geographic and age bias, but also just your your own bias in terms of what you know, right? And so we're, we're giving you um, additional information as an investor so that you're not missing great companies, right? That you're not bringing in all I only know about biotech. And so I, I'm not able to assess this consumer product. Um, so we're opening up the possibilities for you and then creating a portfolio of those vetted companies so that you can automatically put your money in and diversify your risk upfront. So the math essentially says that if you invest in 20 companies, then you one of those is likely to be a big winner, right? You're gonna make all of your money back on at least one of those companies. And so we're giving that to you upfront so that you're able to create a diversified portfolio and potentially maximize that ROI. And then we're taking care of everything else. So we have standardized deal terms, we do automated fund transfer, we have automated monthly reporting and relationship building so that we can really even the playing field from start to finish in this investing process. Awesome. And so, what's been that? What's that been for you? Because, like, you okay, you're now on company. You founded what number three, four, sixty-five. So, <laughs> like, what's 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 what have you learned over the course? Of, you know, in in helping to launch Funder that you think you got from your previous experiences. I've learned so much. I did pretty much everything wrong in my first business, I will say, from uh, choosing people to, to join to, like I mentioned, the, the fundraising strategy and approach was wrong, um, all the way through to, to building and how to spend money operationally. I don't think I, I even knew how many mistakes I made. Uh, and I, I didn't realize it until I got to Black Women Talk Tech. And I think the, the one thing that a lot of 
founders struggle with because you hear from investors, oh, you'll know when you have a success, you'll know when you, you've hit product market fit. And I didn't quite understand that until we did Black Women Talk Tech. And that's because when we put this out there and we had 300 people within a week of marketing who wanted to join that first conference and then were coming to us afterwards and literally creating their own side groups about the event. And there were tons of articles about it and just it took off and it took a life of its own. And the issue was not necessarily us pushing to get people to come and join. It was about how can we manage the influx, right? And that truly is product market fit. When you put something out there and it's not perfect, but people are still throwing money at you because it is so needed. Um, and so that's something that I, I absolutely look for when I'm creating uh, a new product or even piloting something small, right? What is the response to this? Because that's how you're going to get to that next level. Yes, of course, it's going to still be hard and you're still going to have to do a lot of work and you're still going to have to push, but what is the response to it and how, how much are people uh, willing to pay you or coming to you in order to um, be a part of what you're building, whether that's a business or a conference or whatever. It's and it's there's so much there. I mean, you have to learn so so much and it's a mm -hmm. short window of time. Um, and then you're like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do next? Okay, mm -hmm. I, I'll figure it out, sort of, kind of, sort of. We're so excited to have Soho Works as the sponsor for the 29 Days of Magic campaign. You know, they're designed by Soho House and their workspaces to help. Creative thinkers, businesses small and large, connect, collaborate, and grow. And it's where I'm recording all the episodes of 29 Days of Magic. It's a safe, wonderful, and collaborative experience. Uh, I'm currently in the Brooklyn location, but they have locations, one else in New York City, in the Meatpacking District, one in LA, five in the UK. And they give you that kind of home away from home feeling with all the tools, technology, equipment to help you do your best work. Uh, like I said, it's an amazing location feel safe. I've you know, been able to meet some really awesome people, which you haven't been able to do a lot because of the fact of COVID. So it's been a wonderful experience being able to re record here and help build community. So if you want to find out more information about it, please go to SohoWorks.com to get more information and tell them I sent you. And now back to the show. So talk to me about a time where you're like, okay, I'm never going to get through this. And then you did on your journey. Yeah, I will say it was the closing of my first business. I didn't think that I would recover from that, quite honestly, and I don't think enough people talk about it. Uh, so with Keep Up, as I mentioned, we struggled to raise money. And then also at the time, Cambridge Analytica came out and a lot of these social uh, apps that we were tapped into and, uh, through their API started closing them. And so we slowly lost all this data that we needed in order to run our entire business. They just were shutting things down left and right on us. Um, and just long-term, I didn't see that as being sustainable. So both from the cash flow perspective and then just the opportunity perspective long-term, um, we just had to make the decision to end it after working on it for years, you know, and that's your baby. And that was the first business that I had done. And so that was really tough. I think coming back from that and realizing that, um, it's not a failure if you can learn from it and grow from it. And that 
if your business had some kind of positive impact, <laughs> then it was worth it at the end of the day. Um, and for me, the, the big positive impact that I had, I didn't see until many years later, but it was a catalyst for Black Women Talk Tech and it was a catalyst for Funder, <laughs> right? And so I would never have gotten to either of those companies if I didn't do my first one and didn't fail at it. Uh, but at the time it feels painful. It, it's really, it's just something that I don't think a lot of people understand and can empathize with unless you have been a founder and had to shut something down but there is a light on the other side and you can turn it into something really great and just make sure that you're learning from that experience yeah it's you, you know it's like you fail you pick yourself back up you fail again you pick yourself mm -hmm. back up ow this hurts I okay I'll fail again mm -hmm. ow this hurts like that's and then like the whole founder journey <laughs> yes like, and then, oh, this hurts less. Oh, okay, this hurts less. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm feeling pretty good now. All right. Um, and the one thing you have to remember is that, like, once you start feeling good, remember all the owls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, yes. Um, and because you keep, you have to keep that in your forefront of your mind. I know we've made that mistake even at the app where it's like, oh, I'm feeling really good now. So I can like take my foot off the gas. I'm like, mm -hmm. no, no, you can't. <laughs> but now it's time to pour more gas on and it inflict more horror upon yourself. Um, <laughs> because like, you, otherwise, like if you rest on your laurels, then you won't get to where you need to go. Um, exactly. But you do need that clarity. Well, you do need that clarity, but okay, let's at least acknowledge your wins. Like I've been saying a lot, this to a lot of folks recently, like please acknowledge your wins. That's why I was like, do not gloss over the fact that you were a co-founder of BWTC. It's like a big thing. <laughs> Like, you know, I, I'm with I you. Think, I, mm -hmm. No, go ahead. It's, I, I just think it's, it's hard to do, right? Cause like you say, you're always in go, go, go mode as a founder, right? You're always just trying to get to that next level that it's hard to stop and say, look what I did, <laughs> you know, and, and really congratulate yourself and your team and keep that in mind. Cause you need those tiny wins to keep going. <laughs> Cause it's, it's a roller coaster, right? You two steps forward, two steps back half the time. So um, you really need to make sure that you're acknowledging that. And I, I'm not great at it. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at it, but you're hundred percent right. Yeah, I know. I, I got a great piece of advice last year and I've been following it pretty regularly is I created a win wall. And oh. so basically it's some post-its that I put on a wall that I have to pass every day. So I can't, so I cannot miss it. Uh, and it can be anything from like, I slept eight hours today. I worked out like five times mm -hmm. this week. I, you know, I closed a big deal. I, I followed up with that person I've been trying to talk to. It doesn't have to be big ones, but like we forget that like every day we're doing this, we are finding ways to win. Mm -hmm. And even just, even if you don't read it, like the physical manifestation of seeing this little triangle of wins that's on your wall, it gives you a bit of a, a kind of like a little bit of a smile and it um and also it could get it can be something funny like literally like i've i zoomed only three times this week mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I, um but those little wins add up to big ones when you see the totality of those things and like right now those like five to ten things that um that you've done throughout that week and you know i will update it sometimes weekly sometimes monthly sometimes a couple mm -hmm. months will go by but like I see it in the morning and I'm like, yeah, of course, keep going. Um, and that's uh, yeah, a good I way. So um, I recommend doing a wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm stealing it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to do that. I need that in my life. 
yeah, good multicolored post-it note because you want it needs some color so that it, mm -hmm. you can sort of see the variation of what the triangle looks like. Um, so you know, thinking about all that, you know, and how far you've come, you know, from being a kid on Staten Island, like, and also being a black woman and founder, like, what would you tell twenty-five-year-old Lauren? I would tell her to start sooner. <laughs> Honestly, I had made up this path in my mind or created barriers that didn't need to be there. Uh, I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I didn't quite know exactly what space, um, but I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I told myself I needed to go through the corporate um, route first and build myself up and then get my degree and do all these things. And I put those barriers in my way. <laughs> Nobody else did. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I think they were all valuable experiences. And I think they've made me a better founder actually, but I think, uh, I would have loved to have started earlier because towards the end of my corporate career, I was miserable because it just wasn't what I wanted to do. And I finally was able to take that leap, but I really wish that I had done it sooner when I had a lot more energy at 25 and, you know, a lot more <laughs> ability to take risks. Um, but, you know, it, it, you can't change your journey. But if I, if I had to, I would definitely say start sooner. Yeah, well, it's, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, had I had like a six years head start on that, mm -hmm. maybe things would be different because I have way more energy and like I can do all these different things. Um, and exactly. it's- Exactly. But then you think about it, I'm like, oh, look how far I've come, even in a matter of like six years. So it's like, mm -hmm. okay, actually, you know, right on time. We're getting right. There. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and it's never easy at all. Uh, and thinking about that, so navigating all this. So like now you're in Austin, which has now become a bustling startup hub. Who knew? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it creates a global pandemic and everybody wants to move to Austin. I mean, I love Austin because Gueros is my homeboy. <laughs> like, like, all I want is tacos. Um, uh -huh. It's and like, is, La, is La Candesa still open by the W? It is. Yeah, it is still open. <gasps> Delicious. Yes. yes. <laughs> tacos were probably like half of the reason why I moved down here. <laughs> makes good sense I mean I, I gotta tell you I have been to La Condesa no lie like 50 times it's amazing this <laughs> it is like, it one of my favorites um but you know Austin is awesome and you know obviously lots of places to go and things to do and people to see so what are you doing for your self-care so for my self-care actually a couple of months ago I just started seeing a therapist which I personally am very excited about and uh, awesome. absolutely want to share publicly because I think it's important, um, particularly as founders, to check in on your mental health. And it was uh, a journey that I, I've, I've been wanting to take for a long time and things kept getting in the way and it was just hard to kind of figure out. And I finally had time and space to do it. And if there was ever a time to talk to a therapist, I think it was 2020. Um, and mm, so yes. I, was, I, I feel like that has really helped me um, sort of navigate some things and start having these epiphanies about how I navigate things. And that has been really um, integral to, I think, my mental health and, and overall wellness. Uh, and then I do yoga. I probably do that about four or five times a week. And that helps in terms of not only exercise, but, you know, brings the meditation component into it. 
Um, I love to bake. I love to read. I really just try to take time for myself to do things that I enjoy outside of work. Um, so I think that's generally like my wellness routine, at least during pandemic times. Well, listen, you got to do it. And thank you for sharing about going to therapy because especially as Black women, we know that we have not only the world, but the entire universe on our shoulders. Yep. And so um, we need to stop that. Um, and professionals could help you help with that. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I certainly don't have a therapist, but I have a coach, but he's basically my therapist mm-hmm. um, because he knows all about my crazy family. <laughs> um, and I think a coach is another helpful. great way. Yeah, coach is, is awesome as well. I kind of went back and forth between a therapist and a coach, uh, but that's, I know a lot of people who, who do that. But yeah, just having that support, like you said, I think as Black women, we, um, tend to take on this role of superwomen, and and we're not. <laughs> it's okay to not be superwoman. It's okay to ask for help, um, and just and allowing that in your life is is really important, especially like I said, as a, as a founder, as someone who truly does carry the weight at least of your business on your shoulders, um, and and really being able to kind of share some of that weight. Yeah, and I think you know what ends up happening oftentimes, especially when we're founders, is that we feel like we're responsible for so much. Mm-hmm. And like one of the things that he said that he said early on to me last year, like when I was like losing my mind, cause I'm like, oh my God, I have an events business. We can't do events anymore. What the hell am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, Laura, what can you control? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, uh, me? I was like, okay, so what about you can you do? I hadn't really thought about that. He's like, well, then take some time to think about that. And it's a little thing, but like, oh, I can do this, 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 and this. And I don't have to fly everywhere anymore. So I can like sit down for a little bit and actually mm-hmm. think about this stuff. And, you know, gigantic light bulbs went on. And, you know, it was a game changer for me. And I think. I think more of us need to do that of sitting down and acknowledging that we can't control everything and everybody. We can only control what we do and how we respond. That is so true. That is such a great piece of advice. (laughs) I'm still working through that. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, but you're a hundred percent right about what can you actually control? What can you actually do in this moment? Um, and it's just, that's a life lesson in and of itself. Yeah. I was like, it's a total game changer. And it's like, Oh, it's like, um, and if I look at it, the proof is in the pudding, like we're doing it, we're doing quite all right. Um, and you have more time to do X, Y, and Z. And these are things that matter because mm-hmm. we have to take care of ourselves and, you know, and give ourselves that break and also not sit ourselves and blame why we haven't been able to do X, Y, Z. When we see other people doing stuff, like, I hope that like the staring at the gram about how awesome people's lives are kind of goes away now because mm-hmm. everyone's in the pandemic. So y'all can mm-hmm. let that go. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's on their own journey too. You can't compare yourself to someone else because you, you have no idea what's going on truly in their lives and you don't know what's in store for yours either. Right. So say, you know, keep your, your head focused on what you want to do and keep, you know, pushing and moving towards that. And like you said before, as long as you're, you have those wins, you have your win wall, that's all that matters that you're moving forward and growing. Absolutely. And so uh, what's next for Funder? So for Funder, we just launched uh, publicly a couple of months ago. So really excited about that. We have 15 
<laughs> Thank you. We have 15 companies in our portfolio that we are raising $100,000 each for, so 1.5 million. So we're bringing in investments. If you're an accredited investor, or even we have a lot of VCs who are on the platform as well, um, that is is still open right now. And then once we close that, uh, there's a lot of stuff in the works in terms of how we can build this out and expand into a number of different areas. So I don't think it's gonna stay as it looks now. There's a lot of conversations we're having that are really exciting, uh, not ready to necessarily announce them yet, but I think our, our overall mission is to change the landscape of, of funding and early stage startup funding. And so we're, we're creating some partnerships in order to do that and to scale and, and move a lot faster. Awesome. So proud of you. So very, very proud of you. And I know that you will kick behind with this. Um, last question for you. Um, do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? I have both. So I would say my ask is to sign up for Funder. Uh, like I mentioned, we are bringing in investments now. So if you're an investor, we're, uh, you can invest directly into any of these incredible 15 companies. Uh, and so that's my big ask is to sign up. And if you're a startup as well, we're taking applications on a rolling basis. So uh, we're not opening up investment yet on new startups, but we will be uh, probably in a couple of months. And then my give is just, if you have a question, reach out and find me. Um, I'm usually on LinkedIn. I answer cold um, messages. Might take me a while, might take me a couple of weeks, but I will get to it because I have been that person who cold emailed probably thousands of people at this point. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm here if you need any advice or have any questions, um, you know, feel free to find me. Awesome. That's remarkably generous of you. You better be careful what you whisper, Lauren. And yeah, one other thing, I think um, some folks don't really understand that they actually could be an accredited investor um, if they have a good job that's paying them quite well. So it would be great if you can just kind of quickly explain what the parameters around um, being a accredited investor um, are. Yeah, so to be a credit investor, you have to make $200,000 a year uh, as an individual or $300,000 a year if you are married. And or you could have a million dollars in assets that does not include your home that you live in. Um, they actually just recently expanded the definition back in the fall to include a lot of people who are in finance and have uh, you know, certain certificates within finance. So um, if you are in the investing world, you're likely now considered an accredited investor as well. But generally those two standards of the income or assets is, is what people are looking for. Awesome. Uh, because I think a lot of folks, especially uh, let's be honest, lots of black people, who are earning good corporate jobs don't realize, yes, you can mm -hmm. be an investor. Like you make good money. Um, you can put your money into this instead of Dogecoin. So like, <laughs> right. exactly. <laughs> uh, you can invest in founders who could be fantastic for you and help change the future. So uh, thank you for explaining that. Cause I think the more knowledge base that we have around investing and sort of demystifying the kind of murkiness of it all, I think the better off we'll all be in the future. Absolutely. And that's one of our goals, too, is to open up this asset class to more people and make sure that they have the ability to build wealth in the same ways that everyone in Silicon Valley has access to. And it's, it's nothing to them. We want to make it easy and simple for everyone else, too.
Awesome. That's fantastic. Lauren, it's been so good to have you on the show. I'm so, one, so proud of you. Two, great to see you because it's been a while. <laughs> uh, and three, I just think what you're doing at Funder is phenomenal and will help so many founders um, and you know, democratize this in a way that's actually meaningful and lasting. So thank you so much for all the great work that you do. And same to you. Thank you for everything you've done for Black Women Talk Tech. Thank you for holding space on in the podcast like this for people like me to share our stories uh, and so proud of your work as well. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Thank you for love us. <laughs> so we'll put all the details in the show notes for you all to find out about funders, sign up for it. Lauren says cold email her, so you can go ahead and cold email her. <laughs> uh, and hopefully uh, make some um, valuable and awesome connections. And that is our show.